Yep, it's the Jeremy Webisodes Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Jeremy Webisodes podcast. I'm Jeremy Webb, and tonight's webisode was recorded Wednesday, October 28th in the year of 2020. I am once again joined in the studio by my good friends Ryan Hatch and Joss McGinty. Good evening. Well, wait a minute. This is the first time Ryan got billing before me. Well, Well, I got to change it up, man. I can't no, just... I, I like the flow of me next. And I'm joined in the podcast by my friend Josh McGinty and Ryan Hack. Oh, there we go. How are oh. you doing, Jerry? Wait, wait, wait. How come I got second billing? Oh. So it's good to see you. Uh, thanks for being here. And as always, the lava lamp is, in fact, burning brightly in the studio as a beacon for all the lost souls in the world. May they find their way home. And we find our way into the studio every Wednesday night, and sometimes we're alone. But tonight, we are joined by a very special guest. And, you know, Bonner, I'm not exactly sure how to introduce you. I mean, obviously it's Bonner Paddock Wren, International Man of Mystery, but beyond that, do I introduce you as Bonner Wren, you know, best-selling author, or do I introduce you as Bonner Wren, you know, athlete of, of you know, Mount Kilimanjaro and, and Iron Man fame, or do I introduce you as, like, our old friend Bonner Paddock, or, like, you know, so... Anyway, welcome, Bonner. Thanks, Thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and as as you know, on the show, uh, we like to drink. Um, and you know, do I introduce you as Bonner in former? Uh, what was your job for Young's Market? Um, senior Vice President of Market. I ran. The, I was in charge of all the marketing for the company. So you've you've been around the booze business a little bit. Just a tad. Just a tad. And Bonner picked out our booze that we're drinking tonight, which is you want to talk a little about? Uh, it's is it it's not so when I was calling around trying to find it, and it wasn't exactly that easy to find. <laughs> I was calling around and asking for Ocho Tequila. And everyone's like, You mean tequila Ocho? <laughs> hey, hey, Kook. So let me just get it right off the bat. We are drinking uh, single estate tequila ocho tonight. And this is the uh, the Añejo. And as we've talked about in the past, um, Añejo means aged. Um, this is a tequila, another one that's aged in American bourbon barrels. Um, and... Uh, and I mean, what? So, so this is like we uh, we seem to have a theme with the bourbon barrels. Well, I mean, pretty much everything that is aged in in barrels other than bourbon. Well, so bourbon is aged in brand new oak barrels. Yeah, and everything aged other than is that in a is in a, a used bourbon barrel because okay. it's cheaper and easier, and, and apparently tastes good. It tastes good. So, but but this is a big. You're a big fan of the tequila ocho. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. It's. Uh, I was fortunate to get to know some, I think, interesting brands or ways that. Uh, is this aren't... a Young's? This is a Young's brand. Okay. This is a Young's market brand. At least when I was there, it's made by a guy that's a legend in the industry. His name's Tomas Estes, and what he does is he takes it from his own private reserve of agave. So. The way it's taken care of is exactly the way he wants, and it's not in such a mass amount, and that's why it's hard to find, is it's quickly moved through the system, as they say, or bought up when it comes out. 
and it's one of the most lightest añejos you'll ever see. I was I was gonna. It comment. almost looks like a reposado, right. or almost some blancos are even that color. Right. It's like a. Yeah. It's like it looks the color like a of a Sauvignon Chardon. Blanc. Yeah, yeah it does. exactly. It's it the totally color of does. like a white wine. Yeah, exactly. And very so, very pale. Yeah, and it's one of those ones that it's just legendary in the business for it's just creativity and exquisite way he's done it. And so I was turned on to my by my former boss, Mark Mueller. And he's like, you got to know about Thomas Estes. And I was like, I only usually manage the huge brands and my team would manage more of the medium or smaller brands because um, we had 5,000 brands at Young's. So, but it was like, wow. kind of, yeah, it was kind of like the 80-20 rule though. Like yeah. 80% of our revenue came from, you know, 20% right, of the brands per se. But it was basically, I focused mainly on our top 100 brands, which is like Jack Daniels and massive ones like El Humidor. So Tequila Ocho really normally wouldn't hit my desk but it was such a unique way it was done that it was such a hot topic. And as the brands kind of pushed into this now mixology world that started coming from bars, Tequila Ocho was everywhere in terms of that. And if you had the Añejo, then you really had a refined, not only uh, bartenders, but you had a refined consumer because you don't yeah. mix it with anything. Like right. that's a no-no with that brand right. right there. It's so smooth. It's maybe a little bit of ice, if anything, or a water back. And that's it. The very first time we we had a tequila episode, we talked about that. I mean, an añejo tequila isn't the one you're using in your margaritas. <laughs> this is, right. I mean, tonight for the very first time actually on the show, we're drinking it over ice. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually drink it neat. I, I was drinking it earlier tonight neat. Mm-hmm. Um, it drinks very well neat, mm-hmm. uh, it, but it, it drinks also very nicely over ice. No, I, I I beg to differ. Ryan Hatch had a tequila sunrise. About a half hour ago with this. I don't think that's true. No? <laughs> no. I, what was that? I know. I, I tend to be the lighter. I'm the lighter drinker. Flavor. I'm the lighter drinker in the room. But uh, no, it's just great over ice. Let's really get like um, let's get some of the the nose and some of the tasting notes. It's uh, and let's see see what we can get because it's on the bottle and and there's some pretty specific ones. So, and, your, and your nose will change when it's on ice versus when oh, it's yeah. neat. Oh, for sure. And same with your tasting. So for it'll sure. bring it out different things. For sure. The thing I like is. I mean, you know, I'm a Casadores, and granted, uh, tequila is not usually my drink of choice, but um, but when I do, it's a Casadores, uh, mm-hmm. Humidor, it's something like that. I, I haven't, you know, Don Ryan's Julio. had a couple tough nights on tequila. Yeah, Don Julio, you know, something like that. Like I haven't, I haven't really branched out with tequilas yet, uh, and and some of those have still have a harsh smell, and this is not. It's very, very smooth. I t- I think I taste a little orange in there. There's some. Okay, fruit. let's go with nose first. What are you smelling? I'm, I'm going to say the, eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. Yeah, I was going to say pine. Yeah, or, uh, I mean, I'm smelling lemon. the wood, I think. Okay. Some wood, a little lemon. Okay, lemon. Some of the You're smelling some of the barrel then, yeah. you feel? Jesus, Bonner's is gone already. Did you spell yours? There's, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, not, I'm, smelling, I'm smelling the subtle uh, vanilla. Yeah. yeah. So it's and it's a little bit of a toasted vanilla that I'm smelling that can come across as wood as well, but um, that's what I'm smelling. Let's see what they say on the bottle here. Nose, gardenia. This is what we love. One of the things we enjoy doing on the podcast is giving our like general perception mm-hmm. and then reading the bottle. And you know, people get very. It's you know the very the, the more flowerly, 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 the more flowery the language. Obviously, the better marketing. Correct. Right? That's it. So um, it's always fun to kind of see what they put on here. Nose. Gardenia blossoms. Mm. Lime zest. Guava. Anus. Oh, no. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
pronounced anise. Anise. <laughs> milk chocolate. Eucalyptus. Yeah, did they really? Legit. Did they really yes. Eucalyptus? Legit. I got that one. Eucalyptus. I butter. Mm. Jasmine. Honeysuckle. Raw basil. Honeydew. And melon or honeydew melon, I think. Yeah. So that was we got. I, I a, got eucalyptus. I know. I got no, shut I, out. I, get I got the, shut out. Here. I get the eucalyptus so and the <laughs> the citrus. I get some citrus. Oh, in for there. sure. I said orange. Okay. And I said citrus. lemon. We'll give you that. We'll give you lime zest. But, but is technically isn't lemon the opposite of lime? Are they in the same ah, family fruit? We'll same put them family. In. They're same family. Same family. Okay. okay. So taste, citrus. Tasting citrus. Obviously, we're from the oak. We're gonna get so. Don't say cinnamon. Don't say yeah. vanilla. Like, of course, those are there, right? What else you got? Um, there's cinnamon and vanilla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to. I still taste orange for some reason. I kind of orange. It's so fruit. smooth. It's it's beautiful. There's no it's, there's no just. I think this is like could you know, be the best I've ever had. The, I mean, you obviously you mm. get the the, the the agave, right? The, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And, but, but I mean, like I'm used to. I mean, there's some where you have the you have the bite up front, or you have the bite in the back. And this is really nice. It's yeah. It's this kind is of this is not a tequila them. that you'll hear any whistles blowing. Yeah, when you right. drink it, right? <laughs> and that's the the age. Your head's not going to be shaking yeah. or anything violently by somebody yeah. you don't know. Right. I don't think you get this two for one anywhere. You know, like, and that's the thing about one, yeah. aged alcohol in general. When you have it's it's like you have a you have a brand new alcohol. You have a very precocious, youthful alcohol. It's going to be burny and alcoholy and all of those things. I mean, this is an aged product, so it's going to have all of the like the the age and like the mellowness that just comes from age. So, Plus all of the flavor notes and stuff from the oak. So, so uh, do we know how old it is, and are we assuming it's eight years? We <laughs> are going to say that tequila, by definition, has to be at least two years. Okay. Correct. Um, so it's unclear exactly how long this spent in the oak. But if it's not mentioned, we're but to in, assume in it's Yeho, two years. But in I don't actually know the definition for in Yeho off the top of my head. So it goes supposedly deeper, but it has to be in certain barrels, if I understand correctly. But the lightness of that one, and that's just it's strictly a guess because I didn't dive deep into that except just loved it. Is that it isn't aged as long as some of the other Añejos, right. just by the color, yeah. right? Simple I, as that. Yeah. That's all I'm getting. Right, That's right. all I'm no, going you're, off you're of. You're exactly right. Just simply the fact that it's as blonde as it is would lead me to believe that it hasn't spent as long in the barrel as some other. I don't Añejos. think we've ever asked this question. Like, what's the least it could be? Can it be like nine days? To be an Añejo again? Like, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sh- I mean, guarantee there's a minimum. Where's our Google? Where's our Google? Right. Where's, where's, right. where's our crack? So where's our guess, crack Google? Ryan's right. Google hatch. Uh, Brian just gets on the laid down on the job. Ryan's looking at some other. But things. while we're doing this, some of the other definitions, um, just to to specify, because uh, you know there are specific things that are required to to fall under the heading of tequila. It has to be made with agave. Um, and it has to be made with a specific kind of agave. It's Blue Weber. Blue Weber, to, so in, to be tequila, and this is, and I got another pretty interesting thing, but to be tequila, it has to be Blue Weber, uh, made from Blue Weber agave. Now, here's an interesting note, though. Tequila, so we, we've talked about bourbon. To be called bourbon, it has to be 51% corn, and then it can be whatever else. So tequila has to be 51% agave, and then it can be whatever else. To be called tequila. Now, if it's 100% blue agave tequila, then it has to be made 100% from blue agave. But tequila can be 51% agave and 49% white sugar, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, that so sounds, that's that's that interesting. Like you feel good in the morning. 
Right, yeah. much more of a percent head- white sugar hangover. So if you're gonna go out and drink tequila, you want it to be a hundred percent agave tequila, because otherwise you're gonna be drinking forty nine percent of who knows what. Correct. They cut it with other things. So that's and this this one is a hundred percent blue agave. I mean, this is the real deal. And this is not only a hundred percent blue agave; it's a hundred percent blue agave from one estate. single estate. It's yeah. his estate, his private estate. Wow. Very very cool. Yeah. I wonder how much they make of this a year. Or you know, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, you know, not that, that this, this is the riveting journalism we have here, where you can ask the questions yeah. without not knowing the answers. answers. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was always told never ask a question you don't know the answer to. But uh, here we like to push the boundaries. It literally doesn't exist. Yeah, we're gonna go out on a ledge on this one. Yeah. <laughs> what's so the what's the note proof? Of, uh, the proof. That's a good question. Proof on this Should one is good. eighty. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow, that's really smooth for an eighty. Okay. Yeah. Another interesting point is specifically in Tequila Ocho, but in the tequila industry in general, we we talked in past episodes about heads, tails, and hearts. Tequila is another product. They pull heavily from the heads and tails to get some of those kind of funkier flavors. Out or in? in, To keep them in. Wow. And Tequila Ocho talks a lot on their website about the fact that they broadly dip into their heads and tails to create this kind of like – uh, you know, very interesting flavor profile. Every time I uh, have tasted it and then I hear more information, I'm actually more impressed. Because, like, I'm, I mean, I, I'm the lightweight drinker of the group. Like, I didn't really start drinking whiskey until a year or two years ago. No um, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the surprise there. But it is so, like, it, to know that you're mixing in heads and tails, I mean, knowing, you know, what we've, what we've made and uh, and knowing what the heads and tails taste like in some conditions and how smooth this is. I mean, oak itself doesn't do that much. Like it's that's a it's right. There's really... a lot of art. I mean, that yeah. is where the art in distillation comes from. Making those cuts where your heads and your tails are, making those cuts. That's where the art is. Yeah. And then blending. Um, you know, because you're taking those those profiles and those congeners and, and some of those things that we've talked about in the past that create those off kind of pudding flavors. Yeah. And you're using you're using them to your benefit. Yeah. You're taking, you know, this over here and this over here and you're combining them to create these these flavor profiles. Um and that's the art of blending. Yeah. That's where that comes in. And this is single. I mean, so I wonder, um, and granted, you know, like Joss had mentioned before, uh, we probably should have researched this prior to, but um, like I wonder, you know, it's single estate. It, that doesn't mean necessarily single harvest. No, it um, does not. It does not mean single harvest. It does not mean single barrel. Yeah. So like we've talked about before, you're going to have all these different flavor profiles in different barrels. And, yeah. and the art of blending is to take the vanillin from product. this one and the cinnamon from this yeah. one. And to know that a little, you know, that this is like this is the p- profile we're going for. So, yeah. I mean, I I can honestly tell you, I've I, I've I drink tequila when someone else brings it. Um, it's not something I go to. I mean, I do tequila shots when Jer buys them. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but at that's three it. o'clock and in this, the afternoon, yeah, <laughs> on Tuesday, yeah, yeah. Tuesday. Well, um, but, but this thirsty. is this is I mean this is fantastic just on ice. It's refreshing. It's not harsh. No, it's it's it has flavor. No, Bonner, I, I'm maybe we need to make this clear now. If we've given this little research on the tequila, imagine <laughs> how little we know about you. <laughs> 
I'm feeling good with the tequila. You know, I mean, it's it's feeling the love right now, which is the way it should be. It's a, it's, it's honestly, it's a masterpiece. It really is in that world. So tell me a little bit about Thomas Estes. So Thomas Estes is a guy that just was. My understanding of what Thomas Estes is is he was a guy that came into it as most do and just gonna go big and do their thing and. But he had a different way and understanding of how it should be made. And he's one of the guys that broke away from the tradition in terms of this is how you just get the big fields. You move this, you move this, you move this. But he cut his teeth in that business. And that's why he got back together with Camarena to get to do that. Because Camarena family is one of the biggest that's ever in that whole tequila region. But it's the highlands and lowlands and knowing, understanding that, which I don't know a lot about. He actually is the guy that said... I'm going to make it the way I want to and went against the grain and a lot and in a very traditional culture like Mexico and in tequila, which is obviously like the wine and everything else to step per se outside the box before most did and be willing to be like, I'm going to do it my way. That wasn't received very well in the beginning, but then was fully embraced later. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, that's a very common story. It's like the Brunello guys. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they were like, we're going to start aging the wine in brand new oak all of a sudden. And it was like, well, no, that's not traditional. But guess what? It tastes way better. And so it takes those, those kind of, those, those, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, pioneers trailblazers, or trailblazers, right? Pioneers. Yeah. Trailblazers. To, to take that risk. And maybe it doesn't always pay off, but you're never going to know unless you take the risk. Yeah. Well, especially oh. when you look at in this industry where, you know, aging, like it's tough to get off the ground because, you know, you're, you got to make a bunch of product and let it sit for two years minimum. Yeah. And you got to know what you, you have. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, when, in a, when, when products have such a specific definition yeah. and there's not this huge variation in the way it's made as far as like what the recipe is, the artisanship comes into the blending, the process of aging, it's all the long of that game. stuff. It's That's the, the long definition game. of the long game. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. you, you, you put all this money into it. You get mm -hmm. the, the, the stills, the barrels, the, the location, the manpower. Right. And then... You wait. Then you wait. Yeah. And then you blend. Yeah. And then you see how that works out. Because it, it, at the beginning, it's all, you know, cactus juice. That's it. Right? You're hoping it comes out of the ground and even grows at that juncture. Yeah. But it's like vineyards. Yeah. Because that's what the difference about agaves are similar to vineyards is how you do them and how they grow. And based on the age of them, you get better, supposedly, nutrients. But he was saying the differently of you don't need to age it as long. You can do it this way. You can move it this way. You can take, like you said, heads and tails. But he did it completely and cut it differently. Yeah. I mean, and that's another thing. Um, one of the reasons uh, they call it ocho is because agave plants can take up to eight years to mature. Mm. So it's not like you're planting this plant and then harvesting it next year and making yeah. tequila out of it. It's, again, back to what you said, the long game. Yeah, You're planting these things and then harvesting them eight years later and then <laughs> fermenting and then aging it for another two years. Yeah. So, I mean, you got seven, eight years just in, like, a Blanco. Yeah. Just in, like, a basic unaged tequila. But then you – it's not like – uh, you know, it's not like uh, let me say a matured banana, you know, tree or something like that. You know, where now it's going to produce every year after a certain life. So, like an avocado. Well, tree that's the other takes point. ten to twenty years, and then it, uh, and then it, and it gives you fruit for right. a, a long time. This is You're you let it go, <laughs> and then you cut the whole thing off. Like I forget what the what's the bulb or the the thing called. There's a 
you know the the mass of what you've grown for eight years so it's not like it's not reusable right that, well that's a good point you grow this huge plant and then you basically cut everything off of it just down to like the heart and that's what you use to make tequila it's like hearts of palm right mm -hmm. you you harvest an entire palm tree to get this tiny little piece of parts of palm out of it and that's <laughs> where his theory came in is you don't cut it early it has to go eight years so he says the nutrients and the health in it is that not the aging process after you cut it well that, i would so tell he you would be like that's where the juice comes from so he's like it's not putting it in the barrels for longer that makes it better it's making it get the full aging of the actual agave plant gives it the beauty that what he's putting in there that's what his theory that's is. a great and point. They, and that's why they told him you're crazy because harvest it when it's big, get to a certain weight, and then you will put it in the barrels. And he's like, no, it has to be eight years to get the flavor that he wants. I noticed they talked a lot on the website about terroir, that's it. the flavor of the land, and that's exactly what you're talking that's about. That's it. He was, he was letting them age to that point where they got all of that flavor from the land. And I, I think he's a genius. I will say just in the um, just in the, like the general science of, of, of fermentation – I would say it's going to de develop that much more starchy, fermentable sugars in, in those extra years. And those are where all the flavor and everything's coming from. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic product. And I, and I got to say, I mean, did you have something else you wanted to say? Well, there? I was going to um, ask a very simple question. Of course, I know the answer. <laughs> uh, what does an agave plant how does it grow? Does it grow like an like an artichoke? Does it grow like a melon? Like how do you you know? Give me the it's... visual of what that plant looks like after eight years. So, okay, we'll show you. A of picture. course, I won't look at it on my phone. But I mean, uh -huh. it's 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 essentially <laughs> um, a it's, palm. I no, think. it's it's a uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I would call it more like a succulent. That's yeah. a great. I yeah. like that description. It is pretty good, but it's kind of a okay. I, I'm gonna, so it's like a palm on the ground right like um and i don't mean the the round outside i mean just like the leaves coming out and then because when they they cut it back and it it's the 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 little palm orb whatever that is right. called is is what they're using it doesn't to look too awfully dissimilar from a pineapple plant well and and but the only clarification so we don't get emails is that we understand that the the round part or the lower part of the pineapple. We understand that's what the agave looks like after they've right, cut right. the things off. But yeah, it's it's not horribly different than a pineapple. Right. I don't I mean, it's kind of like a succulent. Yeah. I mean, we have we have agave growing wild all around here. If you ever see any of those like short kind of uh blue yeah succulent looking things that send up that long yeah. kind of flowery thing right up in the middle cut like it down all over moss point Drink yeah it. those are those are agaves yeah, yeah. so cu immediately uh cut it down cut it down, cut it down grind Make it up throw... ferment it for six days <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm refilling i'm getting some more tequila yeah, yeah do all it right. by the way i don't know how uh, long we are in so far, but this is by far the most the bottle's been drank at this point of the show. Yeah, we're yeah. 23 minutes into the show and we we're halfway through the bottle, which is <laughs> a good sign. We're more than halfway through. It's that um, good. Yeah. I'm very surprised, actually. I mean, that's not on the thing, but I'm very surprised how good I liked it and how much I liked it. So we, we obviously didn't didn't just bring you here to talk about booze, although we, we can do it all night because we really enjoy the, the topic. I love it too. <laughs> so but as you so you're working for Young's, which is the like where do they rank as far as distribution 
nationally. I yes. Mean, there's got to be one of the top three. Yeah, they, uh, when I was there, we were four nationally, but there were only two major ones out here. So I always compare it to like Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors because yeah. most people know them. Southern Wine and Spirits out here in the West were Anheuser-Busch. Okay. And then we were the Miller Coors. Okay. So now there's been massive consolidation yeah. even since I retired. So it's now called Young's Market RNDC now because they merged not even a year ago. And so now they're the second largest. So they're now in 40-something states. But wow. when I was running marketing for the company, we were in 10 states. And so we were – when I joined, I was it was $2 billion company. And then when I left, we were a $3.2 billion company. Wow. Oh. Yeah. It's nothing to scoff at. Yeah. No. The the it's fifth generation, family yeah. owned, same family. How many brands did you say? Five thousand. Yeah. yeah. I looked at uh, <laughs> I looked at the website today, uh, just looking at the brands, and it's you know uh, cut up by state by this. I mean, it's like it was. I was very surprised. All uh, the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I would say that it has a good, but it it, it, it misses basket. some good ones too. We don't we yeah. don't have the Don Julio, which I uh, I respect, and we used to have um, Casadoras, which I think okay. is another great brand of tequila that you drink, and that's a that's a quality one as well. That's yeah. my we, go to. We did have them, and then they left and went to Southern um, after I. So I was like, okay, they're owned by Bacardi USA now. So, so I'm, and, and this is again not why we brought you on the show. I mean, you're you're, you're such an interesting guest. Eventually, you're, you're so multifaceted. We'll but this is a very apropos topic. You yeah, know? absolutely. And so I'm I'm interested. We could talk about it all day long. It's cool. Like distribution is very interesting to me mm -hmm. because you know you have the the, the the people that are producing the product, mm -hmm. and then you have the consumers, and then you have this middle this middleman, and and basically. Um, it is kind of an interesting relationship because once you pick your distri dis distributor, mm -hmm. um, lines are drawn. Yeah, lines are kind <laughs> oh, of drawn. Battle lines are drawn, <laughs> and it's because people it, get very protective. Yeah, it was the only reason that the three tier system was created was prohibition. Yeah. So let's so, talk about that. Okay, cool. You, uh, you said three tier system. Yeah, it is a three tier system by far by law. <laughs> Can you it has explain to that? Yeah, absolutely. A three tier system was created after prohibition ended. So when they decided to take Prohibition and said, okay, we're done, they didn't want predatory pricing and everything else to come out because all these makers, especially in Kentucky, you know, like we were talking earlier and other, the bourbons and the whiskeys, you know, they still were making stuff even though they say they weren't. But if they could hit the market before anybody else with a price that was more aggressive than anybody else could ever enter the market because it would cost too much to, like we talked about earlier about yeah. years to age it and make it and all those things in the overhead – they said we got to create a three-tier system. That's what the government said, so that it would protect, and so that they would have to sell into that group. That group then could move it to everywhere else. It was try to, in their theory, try to allow um, the most equal, in yeah. quotes, um, you know, process for once it rolled back out into markets, so that alcohol just didn't flood the market at a dollar, two dollars. Because when they prohibition, it was like when it started. It wasn't a lot of leeway time just to be like, hey, unload all your product because they were making stuff and needed to age like we talked about. So they had tons. So what do you do with it? So they're ready to hit the market. So anyways, that's what the three-tier system was started is that the makers could not sell directly once you hit a certain case number. Right. So you could be a very smaller thing and still still to this day. Maybe it's 10,000. Yeah, I think you're about – I think you're right. And um, they can still sell directly. 
But to the big accounts, they need more than that, even on their own, like a Costco or, you know, like all those. So it's like a Kroger. But it was created just to protect even the small makers and to encourage more like people to come back into the business. Probably and for just the immediate, you know, when the when the when the rule was lifted. So that everybody didn't just go crazy, you know, like oh, right. It was, a, it was a, a way dollar. to kind of help it trickle yeah. back into yeah. the market. That's yeah. it. So that every mom and pop on every corner wasn't just selling rock gut too. Yeah. It was a way yeah. to. to... Oh, and, oh, and your your quality product, your aged product, still had to, you know, in theory, it was a quality. They controls. started making that product the day it was lifted, and right. that's not Hatch's what favorite topic. The government wants to dip yeah. twice too. <laughs> yeah, so the three tier gets taxes on both sides, so they actually get it three yeah. times now, including the consumer, not Ooh. two. So it was yeah. another way for them to get a little bit more dough too. For sure, I mean, there's definitely political motivation behind it. <laughs> I mean, which is why today it was pay it, to play. In it the, was, that was exactly yeah. that. In like well, a craft consumer market, you you see the distillers pushing more to be able to self distribute. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, we we don't we don't need that. We don't need why, why why do we need you? Because one of the most interesting parts of the third party system is that you still have to do your own. You have to still have to take your own orders, right? Per se, yeah. And it can be. If you're a larger supplier, they can actually leverage because they can actually say we want to be, per se, a priority. And they you can lead with like a Jack – so we had Jack Daniels. We had Fireball. We had these brands that were like our lead horse. Yeah. So you bring them into the race and you know they're going to win the race or they're going to be able to win place or show. So you bring them in and then you kind of bring everybody else behind it and draft behind it. Is right. What is it. that a thing? Yeah. Like, look, we'll, we will supply Jack Daniels to you. Absolutely. But you got to buy, you got to get a case of this like other shit that we're carrying. We, what we would do is we would do, they do like packaging pricing where it's like, you'd still pay for it, but you'd make it enticing for them to try new brands with these other things. So like we call them combo packs. Yeah. So you could do a combo pack where it's like, you know, you're going to have the the things that they really covet. And there's brands or companies that do really, really well because they make limited edition, like we'll call them whiskeys and people really want them. And then naturally they're like, hey, have you heard this other brand? And then all of us – and then you're able to introduce it and allow it to converse, converse about those. Well, I would love a combo pack. Right. <laughs> I, I'll do that, please. Yes. yes. I mean well, – Two combo packs two and combo a cider packs, fries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I'd like to supersize those. Yeah. I'd like to supersize <laughs> those. Is that with the Pappy Van Winkle 25 here? That's exactly the company well, that, that is the best at it. I knew that's what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah. They are masters of exactly – that because Pappy Van Winkle is the most coveted thing that's in such limited edition, but yet they have monster brands. So they're they actually the ones that I learned from on that. No, Bonner, doing this job, I would think you have to be kind of a professional drinker, right? I mean, you have to try a lot of these, and I mean, I've been, literally been to a tasting at a place I worked where the the the, the person from one of these companies mm-hmm. got bombed. Really? Like they didn't? They blew it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you. Oh, I thought you meant they got bombed like they got hammered. Yeah. <laughs> no, bombed, bom- no, bombed like hammered. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I thought you yeah. meant they blew it like because bomb means you blew it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got bombed. I got drunk. You, you have so to bomb be, means two things. You have I guess. to be a pretty good drinker. Oh, listen to, do to that. This, right. That's when the sweet nectar touches the lips, as we say in the business. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> we're gonna finish this bottle, kids. Oh, that's, that, there's no chance <laughs> no that chance. we're not finishing that thing. 
And if you want to get it, bring the. Uh, I brought the tropical IPA, which has mango in it. Oh. So if you ever want to like sip on it with that, you will actually see a crazy combo because it brings out the notes that you talked about it. All so, right, that's anyways. my next move. Yeah, so I better just have one of those right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> let's bring it over. Yeah, no, my buddy's the president of St. Archer, so he sent this along. So I was like, it's awesome. So Can I do one. Yeah, absolutely. So St. Archer Tropical IPA. Yep, San Diego, a San Diego nice. brand. Oh yeah, started in San Diego. So I was, you know, this, you may have to cut this piece and in. And sip a little tequila on that. Wow, that's good. Right? And then have a little tequila and you'll actually get different notes. The beer first? Beer first. Right? It totally changes it, right? The palate changes. So much fruitier now? Right. It brings the mangoes and the sweeter things oh, out yeah. of Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm getting like some banana now? Yes. Banana. Yep. So all of a sudden we're at a wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beer. And we're not even shooting it. We're enjoying it. Usually, it's beer and a shot at a wedding. Oh, but yes, really, really. Jeremy, normal. open it's up different. the Margot. Yeah. <laughs> Chateau Neuf. So sorry. Yeah, we got we. Oh yeah, no. So, so when I was, uh, I lived in Ireland for two years, and uh, and I hung out with a lot of bartenders and wait people. Isn't that normal residence there in yeah, Ireland? That's I mean, kind of how it is. A bartender because they drink yeah. amazingly. Oh yeah. But and that's how um, even as you know, the hotel I stayed at, um, which was a big name brand hotel, but it you know had a great little bar, and uh, but even in there, like all the bars, basically Guinness is the distributor in Ireland, which is not surprising. But so literally every bar that serves Guinness now has to have a refrigerator in the back corner, no matter how the bar could be four hundred years old, and they have this little light up refrigerator, and it's got. Coors Light, like, uh, you know, Coors Light, Bud Light, Corona, and they serve it in every bar. Because Guinness has said. Because Guinness has said, hey, listen, we distribute dot, da, 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 and you're going to take all of these. And if you want Guinness, <laughs> yeah. and you're a take... pub in Ireland, so you do. <laughs> yeah, because you can't not. Yeah. That's kind of quartering yeah. the market. So yeah. if you want Guinness, <laughs> you're How's also going to buy like Colonel... yeah, White Claw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet now. Now, granted, I was, I was in Ireland two years ago, and um, uh, pubs that I had been in that were historic old pubs now have a cocktail menu oh i mean the fact that they even served and, and i've seen advertisements on the front of bars like ice cold guinness yeah the fact that they're serving guinness chilled is even like a like pisses some people off yeah like back in the day it was like what are you talking about in fact i have a story oh, one of the very go. first when he readjusts in the mm -hmm. seat no i got I a mean, story settle in <laughs> and the arm goes up yeah, on the back I mean, of the I chair mean, holding <laughs> cold. No, so no this is this is true man i'm in ireland uh like late 80s and uh my dad orders like i'm clearly not old enough to drink at this point my dad orders a beer and the guy pulls it out of the refrigerator and sticks it under the tap and my dad's like yo what are you doing and the bartender says i'm knocking the chill off it for you mate he literally thought he didn't want a cold beer like at the time yeah. Like, I'm knocking the chill off of it. He's like, no, give me the cold no, beer. No. And so that's to my point. Like, the fact when, when, when they started serving, you know, like, you live there. You know, we, yeah. we discussed this. They started advertising chilled Guinness, and there was, like, the bars that advertised chilled Guinness got, like, boycotted. Yeah. Like, we don't go to bars where they chill their Guinness. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean... It was. It, it wasn't uncommon for an old Irishman to go there after work. So work ends at four. Work starts at nine. Then you have breakfast with your entire department. 
so you get to your desk at 10 um, and then you work till four and then you go to the bar near work and then you go to the bar near your house and at about 11 12 you go home that's called uh, responsible drinking. You start at the bar at work, but yeah. you end up at the bar by home, so you don't have to <laughs> right, worry right, about right. it. Yeah. You can leave your car there and walk yeah, home. Gravitational <laughs> pull. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm all over that's, resp- it. that's like your... Yeah. That's an Irish... Yeah, you know, I like that. That's Irish responsible drinking. <laughs> yeah. and at, that, at that time... We don't need Uber. We're drinking, no. like, we're drinking your home. Yeah, we're yes, we're supporting block. local business. Yeah. Yeah. But it was not uncommon for a... 50-year-old man to go to the bar after work before he went home to have 16 pints of Guinness. <laughs> wow. 16? 16. I'd be on the floor. Dude. And, and this no was chance. Guinness, too. It's like right. a loaf of bread, a pop. This I mean, is Not only would I be drunk, I'd be full. Yeah, this is from don't... a bartender who had worked 50 years at a place called Scruffy Murphy's Ooh. in Dublin. Like Ooh. And um, it's, it, it's in the middle of a business park. So you know people drank there oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And um it doesn't exist anymore. It got demolished about three years ago. Oh. But, um, so don't don't try to go there. Don't go there. But like, so but you're not they, gonna take us there next no, week. We're not no, supporting no, no. local business. No. But uh the uh it's just crazy, like how I mean, how do you get sixteen in you? I could not have sixteen. I don't again. honestly think I could like physically drink sixteen. And that, granted, pints it's of over it's over hours. So I mean how many? Four? Yeah, I mean that—that's my new thing. That's impressive. I'm maybe. gonna just try that next time. Like, I don't know what next time means, but like maybe next Saint Patty's Day or tomorrow. What are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see how many pints of gifts we can get in us. Let's just get like a nice breakfast, right? You know, get a real comfortable couch. An Irish breakfast. I see, I see a webisode on that alone oh right there. Genius, Bonner, you're hired, man. Can we do St. Patty's Day webisode right there? How many pints of Guinness yes. can we get in us? In, yes. in a one-hour episode. Yikes. Uh, I'm on board. That's like, that's the, Simon, I can tell you, that's, you got, in, in uh, one hour, that's like, that's like one and a half for me. Those things are thick. thick. Yeah, they, uh, that's what I'm about. They're so good, though. That's going to do it for part one of Webisode 15. Please join us for part two to continue the amazing story with New York Times best-selling author and two-time world record holder, Bonner Paddock Wren. <laughs>